coming up on this week's podcast. God not only is a master communicator, he's an active communicator. Look back at the Psalm 19, especially verses 1 and 2, where it says the heavens, look at the verbs, declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows and proclaims his handiwork. Those are all action words. He's not a passive God. He's communicating to us and to the world. Stay tuned for more. And welcome to another New Hope Chapel podcast. Located in Arnold, Maryland, New Hope Chapel is a vibrant church committed to biblically-based teaching, often focusing on discovering the Jewish roots of the faith. You can find out more about our church at newhopechapel.org. Now, here's a guest speaker with today's message. Many, many moons ago, when I was just a youth, it's a long time ago, it feels like a, it's not that long ago, uh, about Josiah's age, um, I was, I used to go to a summer camp for like a week up in upstate New York in a little town called Holmes, New York. It was a Presbyterian-affiliated camp, and we used to have, you know, the normal camp activities, the lake, swimming, you know, and hiking, and we had nice cabins to stay in with uh, groups of guys. Um, but every, one night of, of the week, we would go out and, and sleep out in the field under the stars. And uh, one, one year when we did that, I, because I guess I'm a deep sleeper anyway, and the uh, activities of the day, you know, really wear you out to keep you going, you know, every minute practically. Um, during the night, I, well, this one time we were out there, I hear this, I kind of was half asleep and heard this commotion out in the field. So I remember waking up just barely and seeing all this activity. Now I'm on the ground level, right, I'm flat in a sleeping bag, and all this activity going on around me. I saw a lot of feet running and legs moving, and it didn't really do anything. I just went back to sleep. (laughs) Well, I found out the next morning, they told me, they said, some cows had gotten out from the farm next door and had come into the place where we were sleeping and they said, and had gotten loose and they must have been trying to round them up and and the one counselor said to me, you just slept right through it. You didn't even get startled or anything. So the reason I bring that up is as a lead into the fact that it was during one of those nights in my sleeping bag Basically alone. I mean, you're with other people, but when you get out there, it's dark, can't see anybody. I remember looking up into the sky. And I, I remember um, that, I remember it clearly because what happened was I started, started, started bringing questions to my heart, like, such as, how did they get up there? What are they doing up there? And because it was country, you could really see clearly. I think that's why God allowed me to be up there at that time. And it was a critical age, I guess, because I didn't know it then, but he was speaking to me. He was starting to stir up things inside me. 
By the way, that camp, I don't think I ever heard the gospel. They, they did read the Bible stuff, but I don't remember hearing the gospel presented. But looking up, I just remember, so I can remember vividly saying, what am, you know, they're there, okay, I'm down here, what are they doing there, have they get there, what am I doing here? And it really wasn't until about, I guess, 11 years later or so that really I came to faith in Christ. But God had already been preparing me and speaking and communicating with me to, um, let's see, this is going to work too good, to prepare my heart to, for him to speak more to me, his truth to me. And that's what I want to talk about today, about the communi- our communicating God. And I'd like, if you would, to turn to Psalm 19. And I apologize for not having uh, some high-tech stuff up here. When you say notebook, this is about how high-tech I get. <laughs> Sorry, it's just me. <laughs> so I'll try to give you, you know, plenty of time to find, find it. But in Psalm 19.1... I'm going to be reading from the Amplified, which I like because it, it gives extra, it adds adjectives, and it's more descriptive to what um, to some of the other translations. You know, I like them all, but this one I like, and the Bible's nice and small anyway. It's handy; you can you know carry it easy. But Psalm 19, verse one, a Psalm of it says to the chief musicians, a Psalm of David. We're going to cover that a little bit later, but that's important. It says in verse one. As we saw a few minutes ago, for about four minutes, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows and proclaims his handiwork. I like to think of it almost like the heavens shout the glory of God, and, de- or, and they're declaring, they're speaking to us. Um, that word firmament, I looked it up yesterday, means the vault or arch of the sky. And I think that's pretty neat. Um, Let me go on. It says, day after day pours forth speech, and night after night shows forth knowledge. There is no speech nor spoken word from the stars. Their voice is not heard. In other words, there's no physical, you can't hear, there's no physical words coming from them. Okay, but look at verse 4. Yet, their voice goes out through all the earth, their sayings to the end of the world. Okay, let me just stop there real quick. Um, Number one, first point I'd like to make. God is the master communicator. He has so many different ways of communicating to us, and he can reach us anywhere we are at any time in any fashion he chooses. When you, if you were alive and growing up in the 80s or an adult in the 80s, you remember President Ronald Reagan, who came to the presidency at a really kind of a critical time. It was still kind of like the Cold War had been going on for a long time, and it wasn't really over, with the, and our main opposition was the Soviets at that time, and it was a, still that battle of arms race technology going back and forth. But he was known as the great communicator. And if I don't know, if, how many remember seeing him on TV, seeing some of his mess, uh, addresses and stuff? Well, quite a few. 
But the reason, I think the reason was is because he could come into your living room and somehow he connected. When he spoke, it was like he was talking right to you. And it was almost like you had a, like a fatherly figure uh, in, your, in the White House that was just trying to share with you, you know, from his basically one-on-one. And he had that ability. Now, I guess being an actor didn't hurt. <laughs> and being head of the Screen Actors Guild probably didn't hurt much either. But he had that ability to connect with you as he communicated. And that's really what God is doing with us. He has that ability to reach us, to connect with us, to talk to us whenever he he wants. God not only is a master communicator, he's an active communicator. Look back at the Psalm 19, especially verses 1 and 2, where it says the heavens, look at the verbs, declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows and proclaims his handiwork. Those are all action words. He's not a passive God. He's communicating to us and to the world. And, it's, and we're going to go on to some scriptures later also prove that. Day after day pours forth speech. He doesn't just say day after day there is speech. Day after day he pours forth speech. And night after night shows forth knowledge. And again, there is, it says it goes out through all the earth, all the corners of the world. So he's communicating. He's always speaking. He's, it's never a time when he's not speaking. I guess the, I, the question is, are our hearts open or are we listening for, for him? And, the, and that's only one way he communicates. He can communicate in many different ways. Um, also, he's not only a master communicator or an active communicator, he's a very effective Communicator, like I mentioned before in verses 3 and 4, there's no speech from the heavens or spoken word from the stars. Their voice, there is their voice or physical voice is not heard. Yet in verse 4, their voice is in evidence. It goes out through all the world, earth. Their sayings to the end of the world of the heavens has God made a tent for the sun. So he can communicate with us without words. That's what happened to me. He didn't, I didn't hear anything coming down. I didn't hear a voice. There was no, no great uh, display across the sky. There wasn't even a meteor or a shooting star. Would have been nice. Been very effective. The time would have been good. But he spoke. There was something going on. He was connecting with me. And that's why he's such a great, to me, a great and effective communicator. Um, So much so that the whole world is touched by and hears his message. This was Paul's argument in Romans uh, when he was talking about to to the Christians in Rome, but he was talking about the Jews and in Romans, uh, the unbelieving Jews specifically. In Romans 10.18 he says this in, in his argument about you know, that the that the Jews have, the Jewish people, Israel as a whole, has not um, received Christ and that they're resistant to the word of God that he's, that he's preaching. And, but, you know, of course he was a former Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. So no better one to communicate that than him. He had all the cr- credentials. And what does he, look at Romans 
10 verse 18. But I ask, have they, meaning the Jews, not heard? Indeed they have. For the scripture says, their voice, meaning that of nature, God's, God's message, has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the far bounds of the world. Again I ask, did Israel not understand? Uh, didn't the Jews have a warning about that the gospel was to go forth to the Gentiles, all the earth? And, and then it says, first, there's Moses who says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation with a foolish nation. I will make you angry. So he, well, part of his argument is that the Jews, if they didn't hear the gospel, they had the message from heaven. They could see the natural beauty and, and, the, and, the, and the stars that were in the Old Testament that they wrote about, the prophets wrote about and everything. And they had, so he's saying they have no excuse. And then if you look back at the opening of that book in chapter 1 of Romans, in verses 19 and 20, and now he's being a little more general. He's talking about the, everybody in the world, not all, including the Jews. But he's, he says to us in Romans 1.19. Well, let me write 18 first. I'm sorry. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. And then he, this is where I want to hone in on 19. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain where? Just in their eyes? Just in their eyes? No, it says in their inner conscience. Okay? In their inner conscience, consciousness, because God himself has shown it to them. God isn't content to sit back and say, you know, they've got to come to me. I'm just going to be here. If you come to me, fine. If you don't, that's fine too. God is proactive with his word, with his message, with his desire to touch you and touch others and touch the Jews and bring them back to him. He's, he's active in, his, in what he's doing. Okay, He showed it to them. In verse 20, it says, For ever since the creation of the world, going back to day one, whenever that was, his eternal power and divinity have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made. And the Amplified says, His handiwork. Like it said in Psalm 19. Psalm 19.1. So men are without excuse, altogether without any defense or justification. The, uh, the word handiwork simply means the work of someone's hands. But it also is used in the sense that you could... If you're looking at something and you say, oh, that's Mary's handiwork. If there's, they've made some, or, oh, that's Pete's handiwork. In other words, it reflects, you can tell the person, the, the character of the person, and the, I guess the, even the desires or the, um, what they want to emphasize of the person through what they've made. And that's the way it is with God. God is so great so glorious that he has created the universe, and specifically for us, the little, little, little bitty piece of the heavens that we can see. Our earth is in the Milky Way um, galaxy, and we have just a little window that we're looking through that just happens to be clear 
so we can see into space. Not all the, that isn't so for every other celestial body, but we have it. And there's a reason for it, because he wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to the whole world. He wants to communicate his love, like we sang about his glory, his grandeur. He wants to touch us about what, you know, get us thinking about what he's made and everything. So, the same, and, and this, so back, and then we're going to, I want to transition a little bit to what, about David's time, because David, who wrote this psalm, psalm, he definitely got the message. He really received it, and it, you can tell it really touched his heart and his life. And I wanted to ask you, do you remember when you got the message? Do you remember when the revelation of uh, the truth of his word, that it was real, and the truth of Jesus Christ, who he was? Do you remember when that came to, like, was birthed inside you? When did he start speaking to you? You know? And everybody, I'm sure, has a different time and situation. But um, he was also speaking to David. David, of course, was a shepherd. And it hit me when I was reading this and some other things. David had to spend all his time with the sheep. That meant day and night. So David was out there in the clear skies over uh, Israel. And the hills, wherever, you know, he was shepherding. So he had been touched and communicated to by the creation of God in the, in the firmament, in the heavens. In fact, he talks about that also in Psalm 8. If you look at Psalm 8, verses 1 through 3, and the, 1 through 4, really, David could really communicate. That's why the Psalms are so special to me, and I know to you as well, and why David is such a man after God's own heart, because he could almost like communicate back to God what he was feeling, what had touched him, what his, where his heart was at. And in Psalm 8, verses Verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent, how, in other words, how majestic and glorious is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory on or above the heavens. And then look, skip with me to verse 3. And this is his personal testimony now. In verse 3 of Psalm 8, When I view and consider your heavens, the work of your hands and of your fingers, the moon, and the stars which you have ordained and established. Okay? He doesn't keep extolling God, but what's the next thought in verse 4? It reflects back to him, or to his, situa- his, his earthbound manhood. Then he said, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of earthborn man that you, have, that you care for him? Yet you have made him but a little lower than God, than God or the heavenly angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And he, and he goes on. But the idea that I'm trying to point out is um, he got the message, and yet what he saw was so simple. I mean, he did, I don't think the telescope was even invented back then. I know Galileo was responsible for the telescope. All he had was his natural eyes. This is in one, about 1000 B.C., what you saw up there just a few minutes ago was from the Hubble telescope, which a few years ago was refitted 
with more lenses, better lenses to see, and infrared lenses so that now it can see beyond, not only deeper into space, but beyond natural light that we can see. Infrared is a, is a range of light we cannot see with our natural eye. So you're seeing pictures of space, which, by the way, scientists estimate is about 47 billion light years big. A light year is the amount, a distance light can travel in in one second, and that is 186,000 miles a second. So we're talking about infinitesimal distances, things that we can't even wrap our mind, little puny minds around, and figure out. You know, what is he? How can that be? How can anything be so big? Okay, Um, but David didn't have all that. There's other. other people too, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet, he writes about this or mentions it in this and a lot of places, but let me just share this with you in Isaiah 40, verses 22 and 26. Isaiah 40, 22 and 26. And this, you can tell, this is not what, just what he saw. This is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit speaking through him. But it's so awesome that it's just it's as relevant today as the Hubble telescope is to us. He says, I better put these on. I'm not going to see it. It is God who sits above the circle or the horizon of the earth. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. I should have trusted in the worship team stuff. Yeah, I really shouldn't use these. But let me just say, I called Gary. Uh, Gary called me yesterday, and I said, Gary... I really enjoy the way you speak. I said, how can I be informal like you? And he said, get rid of the notes. I said, Gary, I can't do that. <laughs> so I got to just, you know, be myself, not, not Gary. But Gary is something, his style is something I'm aiming for. Okay. It is God in 40, Isaiah 40, 22, who sits above the circle, the horizon of the earth. How did he know it was a circle? He didn't have any shots from space. How did he know the Earth was a circle? Most scientists believe up until Columbus Day in the 1400s it was flat. He knew through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Who stretches out, I'm sorry, God who sits above the circle of the Earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. It is He, God, who stretches out the heavens like curtains or like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. And that, he was right on. And he wrote about 700 B.C. or so. The heavens are like a tent. They are like a canopy and spread out because they're, they believe they're still expanding. We will never find the end of the heavens. First of all, they're too big. And secondly, they just keep, they keep going. And there's evidence from the astronomers that it's expanding even still. Okay, and then, uh, and he says he spreads it out like a, a canopy or, or a tent to dwell in. And down in 26, here's the admonition to us. Lift up your eyes on high and see. This is what David did. This is what I did. And this is probably what you did at one point in your lives too. Okay, who has created these? Where did they come from? How did they get there? Who 
Uh, who has created these? He who brings out their hosts by number and calls them all by name through the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing or lacking anything. God is so great, so awesome, so infinite, that even everything that he's created, he calls by name. You know, I can't even remember the names of the constellations. He knows the name of every star and every galaxy, and there are uh, billions of them. So, and we, like I said, we just can't, like he told Abraham, you're, he says, I'll make your inhabitants like the sand of the, sea, of the sand of the seashore, like the stars in the sky. There's no limit. It's, you know, but he, but he can count them all. And it's what we're talking about here really is God's glory. And God is speaking today in even more effective terms because of the Hubble and, and if you, uh, by the, and the Hubble telescope and the advances in science that we have through space and NASA development and everything. If you really want to see more of this, just go on YouTube and put in Hubble photo, photos of deep space. But because of the new, um, I think it showed in one frame here, because of the new technologies and advances in the lenses, they found, they reached, the, they showed on the, uh, in the videos, other videos, the spot where they think is the deepest point that we can see into with our ability right now. And it's about 7,000 light years away. So that's the deepest we see. And we have all this new evidence running around, you know, in front of us, so man has even less excuse, I think, not to believe, because it's so glorious. And let me go on. So David felt that, had that connection. And then also there was another connection. If you go back to Psalm uh, 19, again, let's look at this. Now, when I, I love this psalm. Psalms I love anyway, and I'm glad we're talking about them each week. But I never, after you read verse 6, where it talks about nothing is hidden from the, the son, which is a bridegroom going forth out of his chamber, verse 5, it rejoices as a strong man to run his course. It's going forth, it's from the end of the heavens, and it's circuit to the ends of it. Nothing is hidden from the heat of it. The metaphor of the sun reflecting God's glory. Okay? And then, when I used to read this psalm, I thought it was like in two separate parts. Because if you then you read on and you say, and then it talks of start talking about the written word. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the whole person. And I never made the connection until I started looking at this. And if so, you have the talk about the heavens and then about the law. But if you put, and I know you can't add to the word, but if you stuck a therefore in between six and seven. It makes a whole lot of sense. In other words, therefore, because knowing all this and seeing all this and what David had experienced in his heart from being talked to from God in the he- by the heavens, therefore, he says, the fear of, I'm sorry, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the whole person. He's talking about, he made the connection between God's physical universe or physical communication in the universe and his written communication to us. So he said, if you, 
So in other words, because he's saying, because I know him, and I know how great he is, and I've seen his, his display in the heavens, which, as I, again, is simple compared to what we have today, therefore, I can trust him and his word. Because I know who, what he's like. And again, look at the verbs. The law of the Lord is perfect. The, adjective per, the adjectives not only reflect the written word, but it reflect who God is, his character. The law, the law of the Lord is perfect because God is perfect. And what does it do? It restores the whole person. The testimony of the Lord is sure, in verse 7, because God is sure. He doesn't change. He's always faithful. And what does that do? It makes wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are, are right, rejoicing the heart, because God is righteous. The commandment of the Lord is pure and bright, enlightening the eyes, because God is pure, has no sin, is perfect. And then the, and the verbs, he restores us, he makes us wise, we, we rejoice because of, because of him and his word, he enlightens the eyes, enlightens us. So there's a transforming power in the Word, in his, communica- in his written communication, just like there's a transforming power in his physical or creation communication. The idea is he's aiming not just to communicate, but to change us, to transform us. That's the goal of his communication. And then he goes on to say, the reverent fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Then he, and the, again, he's, he's out to transform us, and he's also there. He does this, this communication of his, to make us hungry, to make us more desiring of not just his communication, of the word, not, more, not just more of the word, not just more of his heavens, the visual display, but he wants to make us hungry for more of him. That's his ultimate goal. That's his goal to the unbeliever and to us as well. He wants to make us hungrier for him. He says, more to be desired are they than gold, even the, than much fine gold. They are sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. In other words, like gold, his words are valuable. Like honey, they're sweet to us, to the taste. Um, Moreover, by them is your servant warned, talking about himself, and in keeping them, there is great reward. And then look at verse 12. Who can discern his lapses and errors? He has none. You can't discern them because there are none. There are no errors. There are no lapses. But then look, look at his next sentence. And this is why David is such an awesome writer in the Psalms. He says, who can discern his faults or errors, cleanse or clear me from hidden and unconscious faults. So again, he sees the revelation of God in the heavens. He sees the revelation of God, reads it through his word, meaning, and all David had was the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, and what is his reaction? He, he introspects into himself and says, clear me. In other words, my relationship to him, I know it's not right. I know even though he's pure, I'm not pure. I know, you know, he's, he's magnificent, 
but I'm not magnificent, especially in his sight. Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant, and 13, also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be blameless, and I shall be innocent and clear of transgression. So his words, his handiwork, his creation, the, the, the nonverbal communication from the heavens, the, the verbal communication from his word, has that goal to transform us by his power. And like I said, they will create a hunger, hunger within us. Um, because of David's introspection in verses 12 and 13, I think that's what made him a man, part of the reason he made him, made him a man after God's own heart, as it says elsewhere in the scripture. Why? Because David not only got it and received it, but he, he let God change him. And he was willing, through the Psalms to, and his prayers, to express it back to God. And that's really what worship is. It's saying, God, I've seen what you've done in me. I've seen what you've done in others' lives. And I've also seen, of course, the beauty of your creation and the power of your word. And my goal, my life is to glorify you. My life is the purpose is to serve you. Okay? And that's what David's heart, that's where David's heart was. And that's why I think God said he was a man that even um, made, made his heart, God's heart, feel for him. Because he was so wholehearted, and he knew his place in relation to God, but his desire was to worship him and serve him. And that's really what our calling is too in Christ, isn't it? It's to be transformed into the image of Christ. It's to be a servant like Christ, and it's to glorify the Father, like Christ did with his whole life. And as we celebrate even this morning, through his death, burial, and then resurrection. He was all, his, Jesus' purpose really, in a way, was not to save us, it was to glorify the Father. That was his ultimate purpose, was to glorify him. And the main way he did that was to give himself as a ransom for sin so that we would be brought into the family, you know, made the sons of, uh, sons of God, sons and daughters of God through him. Um, as we close, let me just uh, remind you that uh, we have the creation speaks to us and his word speaks to us. And as I just mentioned, Jesus is the ultimate communication to us, to the world. In John, it says, in the, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it says later in 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The incarnate God, the, the God of heaven, wasn't content to just display and even give the prophets. It says in Hebrews, in the last, in former days, he spoke by the prophets, but in these days, he's spoken by his son. So we think we have so much more really to be thankful for and appreciative appreciative of in the sense that we have so much revelation and so much natural revelation spiritual revelation but most of all we have Jesus Christ the living God 
but living inside us through his Holy Spirit. We have him. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. New Hope Chapel is a vibrant ministry in Arnold, Maryland. We are a Christ-centered church with biblically-based teaching, focused on the Jewish roots of the faith, and committed to helping each person discover and use their spiritual gifts. If you're in the area, we would love for you to come and visit. You can find out more information about our church at newhopechapel.org. Subscribe to the New Hope Chapel podcast on iTunes, and you'll get the next podcast in your sleep. Yeah.